Hello and welcome to Chick Flicks. <laughs> I'm Mackenzie Javin. And I'm Bridget Hovell. And in this episode of Chick Flicks, we are talking about two ghost films, The Devil's Backbone and The Innkeepers. But first, let's catch up. What are you into? Oh, Mackenzie, <laughs> what am I into? Um, so the first thing that I want to plug is um, my my boyfriend uh, really likes this um Philip Glass score for the movie. Philip Glass scored the original Dracula movie, so it kind of had like this dated music. And um, Philip Glass, the composer, redid a whole score for it that kind of um, modernizes the movie. Wow. And it's a really beautiful score. And you can still hear the dialogue, obviously. But it was just like kind of a cool experiment for him to do. And we watched it this weekend, and I really enjoyed it. Um, cool. It's just so you can kind of like almost not watch the movie and pay attention to the music or do both. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. highly recommend. Um, I also watched the movie maybe two weeks ago, Philadelphia for the first time. Uh, it's by Jonathan Demi, who I think is one of my favorite directors ever now. Um, cause I was like, wow, every Jonathan Demi movie I watch is so amazing. Wow. Um, so it's about, it's uh, stars young Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington. And it's the story of this lawyer in Philadelphia who is wrongfully fired from the law firm he works at for having AIDS. And it begins, the opening scene is just like shots of people walking around in Philadelphia set to this Bruce Springsteen song that he wrote for the movie called Philadelphia or streets of Philadelphia. And as soon as the movie started, I was like, this is going to make me cry really, really hard. And it did. It was very beautiful. Highly recommend Definitely a t- crying movie. Um, and then on a lighter note, I've been listening to the new Caribou album, which uh, sounds like spring. Oh, it wow. is almost summer here, but it's nice to look fondly back at the two minute long spring we had. <laughs> what are you into this week, Mackenzie? Those are all very cool. I have, don't know. I mean, I've heard of them, but I don't know any of them. So I will mm-hmm. check them all out. I... Mine are all nerdy, and I'm just going to embrace it. I'm going to be myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the first is... Hell yeah. I would be lying if I didn't say Boruto, because literally I've watched like at least what four episodes that? every single day. <gasps> it's the sequel to Naruto about his kid, his son, what? Boruto. I, no idea. I am uh, just... A- I would say a casual Naruto fan, <laughs> and I had no idea. Was it? Is it a TV show and a comic, or just... Uh... I think it's both. Holy but I'm shit. watching it, and I love it. The animation is so much better than Naruto. Really? Is his kid just like him? Yep, they're exactly the same. Yes. Oh, LOL. I mean, but Boruto hates his dad because his dad's a workaholic. Naruto's a workaholic as the Hokage. Is he the emperor? Or the head? The, Hoka- uh, the Hokage. Hoka- He's the Hokage. Hokage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all coming back. <laughs> but yeah, I'm like binging it so hard it's like the only joy in my life at the moment okay i want to watch that where are you watching it (laughs) hulu okay i'm on it (laughs) um and then the second thing is a band called hikes and this is also i'm like i just gotta embrace it so they're a band that reminds me of when i was in high school and only listened to music that boys i had crushes on Ooh, like so, Mackenzie. It definitely reminds me of um, that time, but I like it. So, what kind of music would you describe it it's as? Like, it's like, um, it's like all J combined with the Mars Volta. <laughs> okay, that is a very specific type of music. 
It's very, the, the, there's just really good guitar. Do you ever listen to Team Impala and also feel that way? That no. you're like, oh, this is, I like it. And my taste is separate from that of what I want yeah. men to perceive my taste as. But Well, no, mine is, I listened to this and I was like, this is going to, this, this is not cool girl music. This is, mm. this is cool girl TM music. This is not like cool Ooh, girl aesthetic. Uh, copyright, yeah. uh, whatever her name is, a- Amy, Amy Dunn. Dunn. <laughs> I know, yeah. But Jillian Jacobs. Anyway, but I let I, I just, the past week, I've just been listening to them on repeat. And you know what? It's going to fuck up my algorithm because I'm normally only like screaming We can't ladies. live in fear of the algorithm. You <laughs> just can't. I have a friend who like refuses to watch, listen to anything unusual because she's worried about her algorithm and she started like two new instagrams because she botches her oh algorithm gosh. and i'm like you can't live like that yeah. you just gotta accept that the human condition is multifaceted so yeah. yeah so far it's been okay it hasn't fucked it up but when i did listen to like the two sufyan songs when call me by your name came out on repeat for like a week were they like that oh did. do you love sufyan <laughs> that that fucked up my algorithm <laughs> they're like you're a really big sufyan fan, huh? <laughs> Um, and then the third thing I'm into is the His Dark Materials trilogy. I'm finally reading it. I read the first book when I was in like fifth grade and didn't read the second two. Oh, so I'm finally finishing it, and I like it. I couldn't. I could not get into them when I was a kid, but do you yeah. think I would enjoy them as an adult? Yeah, I mean they're good. The set two and three are extremely different than the first one. They're like more adult. <sighs> they're more it is very like anti-religion like hardcore like their main goal is to kill god basically and, love it uh there are like angels and stuff but they're not like anyway i um but i really like will and lyra together like they're so cute they're like Aww. 12 but i'm like please date <laughs> i ship it yeah <laughs> they're so that's cute. so funny anyway I'm in the middle of the third book, so. I'll, How fun. Yeah, that is fun. All right. All right, do I can this. do The Devil's Backbone. Okay, cool. In the midst of the Spanish Civil War, 10-year-old Carlos finds himself abandoned at the Santa Lucia School in the care of an austere headmistress and kindly professor. The other adult inhabitants of the school are a sweet teacher, Conchita, and her bullish fiancé, Jacinto, who is also a former orphan. Shortly before Carlos's arrival, a bomb fell on the orphanage but did not detonate. The orphans and their caretakers warily live around it. Carlos is contacted by the ghost of an orphan named Santi, who warns Carlos that he and the other boys are in danger. Mackenzie, was this your first time watching Devil's Backbone? Yeah. Was it yours? It was mine, too. Have you seen The Orphanage? Yes. So I saw that one, too. Mm -hmm. This was the other Guillermo del Toro-like early 2000s horror movie that i hadn't seen Mm -hmm. so i thought it'd be interesting for us to do yeah i it was really good i really liked it it a lot i'm surprised it's not more like i am surprised i had never heard of it (laughs) yeah it's in the criterion collection but i feel like it's not lauded as much as maybe like pan's labyrinth or it lives Mm -hmm. in that shadow Mm -hmm. so um it's not as recognizable to some audiences Mm -hmm. um I like his earlier movies so much more than his later ones. I feel mm-hmm. like he, with the budget increase and like kind of more acclaim, has kind of turned more like saccharin 
in mm. like I did not like Shape of Water very much. I don't know yeah, what you thought of it. I didn't like it that much either. I hated like the metaphor of like oh the disabled people and the black woman are just like the fish man <laughs> rejected by society. Yeah. I think he this movie is really interesting because it's very subtly political. Um or it's not the the politics of the movie are not at its forefront. Mm-hmm. And I saw some people in the IMDb comments being like, why is this even set during the Spanish Civil War if there's nothing of war in it? But obviously, the whole movie is about the war in yeah. a way. Yeah. And how it like affects people on the margins of society or, you know, children. But uh, this is another movie of his. He kind of compared it. He said it's like a companion piece to Pan's Labyrinth, which I thought was really interesting. Um, which I think came out in 2006. I think it was 2006. Yeah. Yeah. It made and it's more, it. me too. It made me really want to watch Pan's Labyrinth a lot because mm-hmm. it does seem in hindsight a little more polished than this movie. Mm-hmm. And the special effects I think in Pan's Labyrinth are so good. like eons beyond this, which I, is really like, yeah, I, I just was going to say, I feel like when I mm. saw, I've only seen Pan's Labyrinth once and I feel mm. like I was younger and i remember like i had to like turn away at yeah. certain parts and i was like sad about the ending but that's because i was like oh, a kid. i was very sad about <laughs> the ending too um yeah yeah very he i think like kind of likes to do like adult fairy tales almost mm-hmm. um and that was the other thing that i didn't quite like about shape of water was that it was the tone kind of veered between being a fairy tale and then there'd be like a weird kind of graphic sex scene with like mm. michael shannon mm-hmm. um but i thought this movie did a good job of also making the adult storyline kind of more important than the children's in a way or mm-hmm. like um equally balanced i guess mm-hmm. is what i meant to say um in this review by matt goldberg in the collider he is talking about the professor um narrates the film he narrates the beginning and the end and he kind of muses about what it is to be a ghost and uh you know he says it's a memory he gives these different examples and this guy matt goldberg says that the adult characters each fit his musings about what it means to be a ghost they're all stuck in their old relationships nursing old wounds um carmen the headmistress is a bitter is bitter now that she bears the responsibility of carrying on the cause even though her husband who is a true revolutionary is dead jacinto is the sad little prince who believes he's entitled to a kingdom and the professor pines for carmen who will never love him back Hmm. um which i thought was an interesting read that the adults are kind of like trapped in ghost-like roles Mm -hmm. i yeah i liked all uh, with this movie and i feel like with the innkeepers which we'll talk about Mm. next i liked thinking about like (laughs) what is a ghost and i liked that Mm. the devil's back sort of was just like obvious like obvious (laughs) about exploring it kind of and was like like i liked an emotion suspended in time or the the past is never dead and all that stuff Mm. yeah i think i like a movie too where people are on board immediately with magical things happening. You know, like the kids are like a ghost lives here and all the other kids are like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I like, what a ghost. Yeah. They're like, yeah, like these things are real and we live mm-hmm. with them every day. Why do you think it was called? So the dev- the name of the movie comes from the professor is showing Carlo how he keeps these um, like fetuses who had spina bifida 
in jars um, and sells the fluids from the jars to townspeople as kind of like a cure-all snake oil Mm -hmm. type deal. Um, Why do you think Guillermo del Toro chose that for the name of the movie? Or like, what does that say about the movie? Um, I was kind of like, I thought it sounds so much more sinister until you watch the movie and Mm -hmm. that's kind of revealed to be where the title is derived from. Yeah. I mean, I think it is... I guess it is like a very haunting, <laughs> like mm-hmm. scary phrase. And I guess maybe when you watch the movie and it is still like a really weird thing that it's like these uh, preserved fetuses that people drink the water for. Like it's a gross thing. Yeah. Which I think is cool. Um, like grossness in movies sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. But it's also like, that is also played as a joke. Other, this movie is f- funny too at points, yeah. like in a subtle way that I really appreciate. Um, mm-hmm. But the professor is telling Carlos that he didn't actually see a ghost because if he saw a ghost, that means he would have to drink the fluid and believe in superstition, superstition like the people that mm-hmm. drink it. Yeah, and then. Carlos is like, wait, I didn't see a ghost then and runs away. And the professor then takes a shot of the yeah. liquid. Um, so I feel like it is all, I think it is also sort of like, like a don't, I don't know, like a not serious Like tying thing. into that super, yeah. that superstition and that, yeah. um, that belief system too. Mm-hmm. Um, and the professor, the ending shot of the movie is that he is now a ghost as well. Um, and so the main ghost of the movie though, is this little boy Santi and the film starts, it's such a, like a really great structure to the movie because you see this like inciting moment of the bomb dropping on the orphanage. Um, and you see this other boy who's kind of later introduced as a villain whose name is Jaime, Jaime, Jaime. and he is trying to care for Santi who has this, um, head wound. Mm -hmm. And that's all we see of that story. And we're kind of picking up the pieces. It's a mystery. It's really the only driving plot other than the adult story. Mm-hmm. Um, and we later find out that Jaime was killed by Jacinto, which is another thing I think um, that Guillermo del Toro kind of has in common with Stephen King is that they both, they have like kind of supernatural forces at work in their stories, but that like human evil is still like a parent and even more dangerous at times mm-hmm. because, you know, Jacinto is ultimately like the villain of the movie and not Santi, the ghost, you know, he's not trying mm-hmm. to harm the boys ever, even though he scares them. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. like that the, in this movie, the supernatural is like a reflection of it, like highlights the human evil or reflects it or mm-hmm. like, calls it out literally like Santi's like this man is evil and gonna you're all gonna die <laughs> yeah yeah and it it also has like um like a dark Peter Pan vibe when the kids kill Jacinto mm-hmm. spoiler mm-hmm. um at the very end of the film very because Lord it's just seeing flies. a bunch of very Lord of the Flies very like um yeah just seeing like a band of boys together Guillermo del Toro also said he was really inspired by Westerns for this movie too, which I thought was interesting because I didn't immediately get that. Um, mm. That he, I guess the the landscape is so stark and and dry and um, there's some tropes that kind of fit into that. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that um, 
a book came out about Devil's Backbone just a couple of years ago, which is really mm-hmm. interesting. Um, written in part by Matt Zoller Seitz. Uh, and this is from part of the book. Uh, one of the most iconic pieces of imagery from the devil's backbone is an unexploded bomb sticking out of the ground in the courtyard of the orphanage. The bomb is a constant metaphorical reminder of the Spanish civil war raging beyond the bombs, the orphanage wall. The bomb is omnipresent in the middle of the courtyard, much like the war del Toro says. It just says the war is here. The filmmaker goes on to say that he wanted the bomb to almost be a mother figure to the kids. They planted flowers around it and put ribbons on it like a fertility goddess, a totemic figure. But I wanted it to look over them the whole time. So if Chekhov's gun is like a phrase used in films, this is like Guillermo del Toro's bomb because you think something's Mm going to happen with it the whole movie Mm -hmm. and then nothing happens. Yeah. It's yeah, just like it's definitely like fake out. Yeah, it like builds a sense like like something could go wrong at any moment. Like mm-hmm. you're just on yes. edge the whole time. Yes, that's exactly what it, it does. Um and it's it's very gothic for that reason too, mm-hmm. the entire film. Um I think he kind of loves all those genres at once and combining them. Mm-hmm. This movie also has really good children actors in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I I'll call them out when I see them cuz I normally hate <laughs> children in movies yeah no everyone's really good at, carlo um, was adorable yeah so they they when were he, really when he cried too. and stuff i was like Fuck. yeah like so even sad. the other like little boys that didn't really get that much like time yes. i i was like they, they were so cute and i like they were so felt cute. like even though there wasn't much time they were each given their own like personality almost mm-hmm. as much as there was time to allow um and i think Daltura also did that with the villain. Um, mm-hmm. In Goldberg's review, he says, Jacinto comes right up to the line of a mustache twirling villain, but Daltura goes out of his way to make sure that there's some ounce of relatable humanity in the character because it's the failed humanity that interests Daltura. So yes. I did Agreed. appreciate that. Like, he has an incestuous relationship with Carmen, who raised him. Is it incestuous? Him. Oh, she raised him. Yeah, that is. It's just weird. Like she raised him weird. since she since he was a kid, and then she's right. like fucking him. Like, how old was he when that like weird right. relationship right. started You're happening? Right. But um, so like you kind of feel bad for him, and that at least I did. I I was like, that sucks. Like he's like, really messed up. Yeah, like maybe he was abused. I don't know. Um, and then at the end, there's a moment where he reflects on a photo of his family that he never really mm. had. Um, he's like a complete scumbag, but <laughs> but like those he's still human. Yeah, those yeah. little moments where like you can understand why he is the way he is a little bit. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agreed. And so many great performances also from the the adult cast. The mm-hmm. professor is. Um, I kind of like didn't expect him to be like the main adult in the mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. Um, but his story arc is very moving and very mm-hmm. sad. Mm-hmm. Um, and Del Toro kind of gets away with kind of doing some like soapy things with him or sh- like, you know, like him reciting the poetry to Carmen as she dies. Mm-hmm. Um, but it works. Yeah, it works. <laughs> it all works. I did. The special effects did not age well in this movie. That's the one thing yeah. I was really taken out of. And his effects in Pan's Labyrinth, in my memory, are amazing mm-hmm. and very like he relies on practical effects. Mm-hmm. You know, Doug Jones plays the the fawn, mm-hmm. and these this one just the main effect was Santi. Mm-hmm. I mean, in 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 concept, it's a really cool idea, yeah. which is that so Santi gets this head injury and then he drowns afterwards in like this pit 
<laughs> yeah, I don't uh, know what it is. <laughs> they call it the pit okay. uh, of water. And so he, when he is seen by the boys, he has this like red stream coming from his forehead mm-hmm. up into the air um, mm-hmm. to show him going through the water. Mm-hmm. It's such a great idea, but it mm-hmm. just hasn't aged well. Yeah. And the explosion doesn't age well either. Right. Yeah. Oh, I was also surprised that uh, like in terms of him giving each character the time they're due, I was surprised that Conchita got like a sort of, I mean, she was horribly murdered, but it, it like it was like a. Mm, almost triumphant in the fact that she never gave up on what she believed in and, and never gave yeah. up on the kids. Um, so I feel like I liked that as well. I like that too, and that she had an opportunity to kind of be a hero yeah. and um, like strike out on her own and do something mm-hmm. uh, was really moving. Um, and Jaime, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love a redemptive arc for, like, a mean little boy. Yeah. Uh, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought he was a good little actor as well. Mm-hmm. And it has a it has a really good, sad ending mm-hmm. um, with yeah. all the little boys leaving the orphanage together. Yeah. So many of them die. It's, like, so sad. But... It's very sad. You're right. I love, a, I love when, like, there is, like, a rivalry and then they become friends. Me, like too. Love that. Love that. <laughs> love it. Love it, especially with like not a non-romantic. You know, like I love it when it's romantic, but I love it when it's they're just become good friends. Yeah, too. me too. Like um, Naruto like and Sasuke. Naruto. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was just about to say that. Uh, I was reading that Del Toro really didn't like one of the kids, so they purposely killed him off in the explosion. Really? And they were like, they did it on purpose because they hated working with him. They said he screwed up every shot, and then he was supposed to be lying dead during a shot because the explosion killed uh-huh. him, and he sat right up like a zombie. <laughs> And it was like, I'm not dead. And they were like, yeah, you're dead. And he was like, no, I don't think I died. I, oh I wouldn't be killed. Oh, my God. And they hated him. Just fire him. I thought that was so funny. That is really funny. Did you know also, that he, uh, Del Toro was supposed to direct, he like was offered to direct Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Oh, can you imagine how weird he, that would have been? He turned it down because he wasn't interested in the lion resurrecting, is what he said. Oh shit! Good. I mean, good. him, Phil Pullman. He could have done a really good his dark materials too. Mm, yeah, oh, I feel yeah. like that's right up his alley of children oh, yeah. with adult themes. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. animal stuff for sure. There's also like, religious imagery, finger injuries in the second book, which I oh. feel like he can definitely pull from Shape of Water for that. Oh, true. Forgot about <laughs> Shape of Water was really disappointing to me. Yeah, for some no, reason. I agree. <laughs> Just. It was like a not- play instead of a movie. Yeah, yeah, agreed. It was weird. Whatever. I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. Love Pacific right, Rim. Wanna- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you want to? Um, do you want to jump into one star reviews? Yeah. There's two good ones. This is our first one star review for The Devil's Backbone. Nothing happened until the very end, when all of a sudden, lots of people died, but not because of anything supernatural. It was more a tale about bullies than anything else. So if you're interested in watching a sad, very sad, depressing, slow-moving, moralistic story about sad kids at an orphanage and the consequences of greed, then go ahead and watch this. I love people complaining about it being moralistic. <laughs> <laughs> like, barely. Not really. Yeah, not really. This person doesn't know a good story. Yeah. 
The other one is um, the other one star review. I'm not even that smart, but it's so glaringly obvious. It's almost embarrassing. So what if it's about the Spanish Civil War? It says nothing about the Spanish Civil War or anything else. This guy needs to make up, give up making films and make cardigans instead. I'm sure he'd do a better job. Well, guess what? He won a fucking Oscar. (laughs) I don't understand this comment. This I don't either. It's it lots of stuff about the Spanish Civil War. Just because it's not actively about people fighting in the Spanish I mean, Civil War, it opens with leftist fighters dropping off Carlos yeah. at the orphanage. There's the like kids a- are all there because their parents have died. Yeah. There's an execution. <laughs> There's an execution. Well, and then they have to leave the orphanage. Yeah. <laughs> There's a bomb. Like, what the fuck? Also, like, he says it says nothing about the Spanish Civil War or anything else. <laughs> Yeah, it was just like a blank filler for a whole film. (laughs) Oh, my. Um, Mackenzie, what do you rate The Devil's Back? Oh, okay. Um, Sorry to always put you on the spot to rate it No, it's okay. I I almost forgot to rate it. Uh, I'll give it an 8. I really, really like it. I think it's really good. I'm going to give it a 7. I loved it, and I'd love to watch it again. Mm -hmm. Um, I would like to see The Orphan. I think I did like it better than The Orphanage. I think I did, too. Um, yeah, the orphanage was very sad, and I, mm-hmm. uh, I'll have to rewatch Pan's Labyrinth too. Yeah, I want to rewatch it too. Really enjoy early Del Toro. Yeah. Our next movie no. is The Innkeepers from 2011. Claire and Luke are the last employees left at the Yankee Peddler Inn before it closes. Claire is a 20-something goofball, Luke a 30-something internet nerd. Both are underpaid, overworked, and interested in capturing proof of the resident ghost at the inn, Madeline O'Malley. Over the course of a weekend, Luke and Claire's amateur ghost hunting uncovers a darkness within the inn. Within the inn. <laughs> within the inn. In the inn. <laughs> I'm sorry. No. Have you seen this movie before? No. Did you like it? I did like it, um, but I, I didn't love it. <laughs> yeah, I have an affection for it. I first like in 2014, 2015, mm-hmm. my boyfriend Tim and I watched like literally every horror movie on Netflix. Oh wow. Like literally all of them. <laughs> and this was one of the better ones. And so we have like I really like this and I also watched his other movie House of the Devil back to back and I was mm-hmm. like this is a good little filmmaker. Cool. Yeah. I thought Ty West was a woman until... That's a huge disappointment. I, yeah, I was... <laughs> until I was reading about it, and I was like, oh, darn it. <laughs> he definitely... I like his filmmaking a lot, mm-hmm. and I really enjoy these two movies, and also his other movie. Uh, I can't remember its name, but it's about bats. It was like his first film. Um, but he like does not have anything really profound to say about his movies at all. Mm-hmm. I read a couple interviews with him where the interviewer kind of kept trying to lead him into saying something perhaps like political about mm-hmm. like underpaid minimum wage workers mm-hmm. or like the state of the country um, and what innkeepers reflects about like being a working person and Ty West like could not get there. And maybe his movie doesn't have anything like, I'm sure you can make a really good argument that the innkeepers doesn't have anything big or political to say. I um, think at least for me, as I was watching it and thinking a woman made it, <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, I don't know. The relationship between Claire and Luke it takes on like a different, has like a different undercurrent for me when I know that like a sure. guy wrote it. I don't know. Cause it's a for very sure. beard, like creepy relationship, mm-hmm. I feel like. And yes. a very like familiar one. 
too. Yes. And so Luke is older than Claire. Mm-hmm. LOL at the, re- the review that described them as teenagers. Oh my God. <laughs> Luke is not a teenager. No, not at all. Not in any sense of the word. Uh, Luke is definitely older than Claire. He comes on to her kind of a few times throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. And Claire deflects him. I think because also a man wrote this movie, it's mm-hmm. uncertain to tell what Claire thinks of him coming on to her mm-hmm. or the situation she's mm-hmm. written kind of as being like goofy, a little bit scatterbrained, mm-hmm. like light and fluffy at times. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult to tell. Um, very opaque in that sense. I think it could have benefited. I think the tension of the movie could have been like ramped up if there was any indication that while enjoying him as a friend, Claire was not interested in Luke coming on to her. Yeah. You know? Cause I that think would have added a whole new dimension. I agree because I thought there's a moment where they're drinking together and he really lays it all on the table sort of. And it's like, oh. it was like, you're the prettiest girl I know. You, you support me and in my internet thing. And, I was like so deeply uncomfortable because it was like she does not I don't think she feels she reciprocates it. I don't know. I was just like deeply uncomfortable but then it sort of like got yanked out from under us and didn't go. She anywhere. does something. I know like us getting into this is not like we're focusing on one aspect of a ghost story yeah. that's <laughs> not about the ghost, but whatever. Uh they're he they're drunk and he's like, You're one of the prettiest girls I know and mm-hmm. she's like, Who are the other girls or something? <laughs> and he's like, My mom, my sister, and the girl who works at Dairy Queen and she's like, She has a lazy eye. And Claire not addressing that he said, you're so pretty. I'm like, this is a classic coping mechanism that she's doing right then, which is like talking about the other things he said. Mm. Very recognizable to me. (laughs) Um, But I, I, so Ty West got the idea for this movie from when he filmed House of the Devil, which came out a few years prior to this. He and his crew stayed at this very inn while filming House of the Devil and all of the staff and employees kind of said like, this is a haunted a hotel and some of his crew had things happen to them. So when he was trying to think of his next project, he was like, I should write a movie about the hotel that we stayed in. And he got permission to film there, which is really interesting. And it's a hotel in Connecticut. Yeah. Do you know where in Connecticut is? Torrington. Where's that? What it's part of the Hartford. cube of Connecticut? It's near Oh, wow. Sort of. Okay. It's, I mean, everything yeah. is near each other for like, an, exactly. Like the state is like an hour long. <laughs> It really is. Um, so that was where he got the idea. And I think it is a good premise because um, the situation that the two characters are in is so believable for a horror movie that there are employees who are forced to stay in the hotel. Mm-hmm. Like in a horror movie, your classic complaint is like, why wouldn't they just leave? Yeah. They can't. They're employees. Yeah. They're supposed to be there. And things really don't get bad until the end either. Mm-hmm. So. They the they're not like experiencing really wild stuff and staying against their better judgment. It ramps up very very slowly throughout yeah. this film. Yeah, for sure. Um, you only see the ghost, I think, three times. Twice, three times. Yeah. I guess. Uh, no, twice. I think actually, twice. because you don't really see her when they when Luke and Claire are in the doing the seance. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, which you, is scary. Yeah, that's really scary. That like. From that moment on to the, the to the end, it's very scary. I think. Um, Agreed, especially that Luke leaves Claire too. Yeah, 
Luke sucks. Yeah. Um, so the psychic in the movie, sorry to interrupt you. The psychic in the movie says that there's three ghosts. Yeah. Is it ever apparent who the other ghosts are? Yeah. It's the Claire, it's Claire, Madeline, and the old man. Because she says that time is, doesn't exist and everything exists at the same time. And that's why she's like, I'm so confused. I can't tell who they are. And it's because they're not like dead yet in her timeline, I think. And I think at the end, that's why she's like, there's nothing we could have done. Like, I'm stupid. No, I, I know. I just thought that was like a super interesting that is point interesting. because it also tied into the like ghost themes of the devil's backbone, which makes sense. True. It's like they're both about ghosts. So it's like, mm-hmm. true, true, true. But I just think it's fun to think about deeply about ghosts. <laughs> For sure. And, and this movie is interesting too, I think, because it's too like, minimum wage workers mm-hmm. who cannot find meaning in their jobs and are kind of looking to like enrich what they're doing, you know, it very, very, very relatable. Yeah. And they're trying to find meaning in like in the ghosts that they're looking for, mm-hmm. um, uh, which is, it ends up being, you know, very sad and tragic. Mm-hmm. Uh, what Ty West said about it was I wanted to make, I'm sorry. I said he was stupid. Maybe he's not that stupid. <laughs> Um, I wanted to make a traditional old fashioned ghost story, but with modern characters that don't belong. A lot of the times characters in horror movies are almost like born and bred to be in horror movies. I always find that to be a letdown because they do all that. They do all that you expect them to do. So that's why it was so important to me to make a charming workplace comedy. You have, could have no ghosts in it and it's, it, it's be okay. <laughs> that's what this quote says. Uh, but when the ghosts show up, it kind of raises the stakes. Uh, he also at one point says it's like a romantic comedy until the ghosts show up, which makes me think, makes me worried. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Very worrisome. Yeah. But it is like, it is like a, it is charming and small. And like, I like the, I like the inn. I like the psychic. Mm-hmm. She does bring like a sense of security to Claire and I think the viewer because she sort of knows what's going on and like it's yeah. her job to talk to the spirits. But there there are a lot of, at the end, a lot of very frustrating, don't do that <laughs> moments where you're like, please don't like. I would quit. I'd be like, why are you going to not have a job anyway? Yeah. If you few days just quit mm-hmm. for sure there are a few frustrating moments um i think i forget where i read this but ty west was like or oh you know in the beginning where uh luke shows claire the video that like yes, went viral where it's scare. like a you're looking at this blank mm-hmm. room and then a thing pops out at you and you get scared because you weren't expecting it uh and he's like works every time i feel like mm-hmm. that is like ty West applied that to the movie at the end too where he was like yes. works every time like uh in, with in terms of like her like going down the stairs or not going down the st- yes. like all that stuff so yes yes he pulled out the the um the the classic <laughs> And he really uses, yeah, the camera in, like, yeah, exactly exactly what you're saying, like, really classic ways. I think he's very inspired by The Shining. Also, Mm -hmm. uh, the Mm -hmm. palette of this film is really similar to The Shining Mm -hmm. with, um, you know, like, weird carpets in a hotel. (laughs) Um, You know, the kind of, like, pin turns around corners Mm -hmm. of the hotel and the hallways Mm -hmm. is really reminiscent of it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you seen House of the Devil? No. Oh, okay. House of the Devil is the movie he did before this, mm-hmm. and it's like a period piece. When I started watching it, I thought it was made in the 80s. He huh. so 
accurately just nails the aesthetic of an 80s movie, mm-hmm. 80s horror movie that you don't, I did not realize it was not made in the present day until Greta Gerwig showed up because <laughs> you know, she's the only recognizable actress. Uh-huh. And I was like, what? <laughs> uh, and she That's has like cool. a, like a, a small part in it. Um, and Lena Dunham has a small part in this movie, which I need the oral history of why she appeared yeah. in this film. <laughs> that was as a barista named Elizabeth with a Y instead of an I. Yep. I, it was, and it, but it was it, very random and a Lena, a very Lena Dunham part. Yes. <laughs> they just let her walk on the set maybe. And just like uh, annoyingly talk to another girl who doesn't want to yeah. hear her talk. Well, oh my gosh, Sarah Paxton in this movie. Let's talk about her. Yeah. She does look a lot like Alexis Padel. She does. I will give I will give that creed. Or yeah. Um she does. So she was in Aquamarine. Yeah. And I can't honestly remember her in Aquamarine all that well. Oh, but I, I feel can. like this is a stretch for her. Is this a stretch or is she also like this in Aquamarine? Uh, she's she is similar to this in Aquamarine. Like I read oh, in an okay. interview that Tyros was like, as soon as she came out, like she was so goofy, I was like, This is the role for her, like this is her role and I was like, She is the same in Aquamarine. She's like a, she's literally a fish out of water like <laughs> yeah yeah she's so like jointy oh, such a good um, movie though highly recommend the aquamarine yeah yeah i think about I'm it very, a lot like every time really? i see a, like a water tower i'm oh. like oh, maybe there's a mermaid in it <laughs> oh i like what i liked about her performance in this i said this last week when we recorded about um my recommendation for the movie horse girl mm-hmm. that allison brie can't um convincingly play a not hot girl because mm-hmm. you're just like you are hot mm-hmm. Allison Brie Sarah Paxton obviously a hot person mm-hmm. an attractive person mm-hmm. convincingly plays someone who you wouldn't be like wow what a knockout yeah you know like I agree. the haircut the lack of makeup yeah she looks like a girl you'd know in high school mm-hmm. or college and you you'd be like obviously they're pretty but they're not like a super mo- a movie star mm-hmm. you know yeah so kudos on her for being so dressed down in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, A.O. Scott in his review said Claire was both mouthy and pushy. It's like, um, and hey. he also <laughs> described Luke as a gone to seed tin tin, which that's hilarious. It's like the exact, accurate. yeah, an exact description. Luke also says a lot of things to her that are so like kind of sarcastic and condescending, yeah. you know? Oh uh, God. It, it's It'll it'll be triggering for some people to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you want to read one star reviews or? Yeah, let's do one star reviews. Okay. Boop boop. I can start. Okay. I think I put two in. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> this is a one star review for the innkeepers. Acting is at amateurs level, except for Kelly McGillis, of course. I'm an horror movies addict, so I've watched this movie just to add another notch to my belt. But it really was no fun and not scary at all. I love this person being like. This is just for my prestige yeah. as a horror movie addict. I thought that too, but then I was like, you and Tim watched every horror movie on Netflix at one point. I'm exaggerating, <laughs> but we like really did watch like almost every horror movie. <laughs> but there were so many bad ones too. That's cute. But though. then we found a lot of good ones. We found Housebound that way. Oh, wow. We found this movie called Late Phases, which was about a werewolf outbreak at a nursing home. Ooh. Which was really good. We should do it one day. Oh, okay. Oh, you know it was okay. It was not. None of them are that good. They're okay. good for <laughs> randomly picking a horror movie okay. on Netflix. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. The second mm. one star review is: The Innkeepers tells the story of two employees, one played by Sarah Paxton doing her best Alexis Bledel impression, 
as if anybody even knows who those two actresses are. Excuse me. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> first of all, we know who they are, dummy. Yeah. And you know who they are, yeah. dummy. Gilmore Girls? Like, really? Okay. Uh, Aquamarine? Yeah. But maybe they do, they need to be in a movie together. Oh my god, my phone just opened up on a video of Bernie. <laughs> I hope I hope we could hear him in it. Uh, um, yeah. So that was our ghost episode. Yeah. Wait, what is our rating? But yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna rate it like a be brutal five. Some of these I'm, I just do them in the moment. You know, you can't no, compare the no. ratings to the other movies. Just don't do it. It's a you five. can't because, like, honestly, Mackenzie can't quantify a movie. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's a it's a futile task. Yeah, but one that we do anyway. <laughs> I'm gonna also give it a five, but with love. I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I think it's really good at setting an atmosphere and mood. Mm-hmm. I love how slow what a slow burn it is, and I love that it's character driven too mm-hmm. to an extent, mm-hmm. which very few horror movies are. Mm-hmm. You do feel invested in both of them and worried about both of them mm-hmm. and very sad when Claire dies. Yeah, yeah. And it's very scary at the end. It is very scary. And I think that both of these movies this is the end of our ghost our first maybe ghost <laughs> episode. Um I like thinking about ghosts i like ghosts so i like that this movie and i hope you think about them tonight the devils (laughs) stop (laughs) now it's time for us to ghost (laughs) (laughs) it would really help us out if you left us a review on apple podcasts and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts you can follow us on instagram and twitter at chick flicks pod and email us at chick flicks podcast at gmail.com Our next episode will air on March 23rd, and we'll be talking about The Brood and The Fly, two Cronenberg films. Uh, Chick Flicks is researched and written by Bridget Hovell and edited by Mackenzie Chapman. Many thanks to Tim Brief Carlson for our music, and thank you for listening to Chick Flicks. Bye. Bye. Oops, I burped. (laughs)